Welcome to the January episode of the Waterlog Podcast. My name is Dan Janolfi. And I'm Howard Marlowe. Thanks very much for tuning in. Hope you all had a great new year. And thanks very much to the American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News today for hosting us. Today, we want to talk about the WERDA 2022 provisions. That's the Water Resources Development Act of 2022 uh, that was passed just before Christmas and the omnibus bill as well. Let's get started. So on December 22nd, Congress sent the final version of the Water Resources Development Act of 2022 to the president's desk as an attachment to the must-pass National Defense Authorization Act. The NDAA is a bipartisan defense funding authorization bill that must be passed in, uh, to ensure that our nation's military and other defenses have adequate funding. And the Water Resources Development Act's impacts are nation's waterways, ports, dams, beaches, and other coastal infrastructure that protect the public from natural disasters, severe weather, and also in help ensure our goods and services are delivered. As coastal practitioners, managers, and local government officials, there are several provisions in WERDA that you should be aware of that expand the opportunities to receive assistance from the Corps of Engineers. Waterlog has prepared a short section-by-section uh, -section analysis of the provisions, and you can find a full version of this online, but we're just going to cover a few here today. So, starting off from the top, we've got Section 8102, uh, Emergency Response to Natural Disasters. And this authorizes the secretary to repair or restore a hurricane or shore protection project <clears throat> uh, or structure beyond the, beyond the original design level of protection. And this is important because Hurricane Ian and Nicole uh, just did a significant amount of damage to our beaches. And in particular, uh, beyond Florida, uh, one of the areas in Myrtle Beach that had low-lying dunes, well, those dunes were wiped out. They served their purpose. So now when the Corps comes back to rebuild those dunes, why should they build them to the same level of protection that, you know, even a, a low-grade hurricane, you know, destroyed? Yeah, absolutely, so, because the these projects were designed 10, 20, 30, or even more years ago to what was then understood to be a de recent, um, decent level of design. I use that word decent, and I don't mean to be that negative, but there is no such thing as a level of protection than any project that was designed to. But they were designed to coastal in a coastal science way of trying to reduce damages. We found out that based upon sea level rise, global warming and the like, that those design levels are inadequate. So if you're repairing a project, you don't repair it to the old level. You repair it to a reasonable level that current coastal science says is good, not only for today, but for the next 20 or 25 years ahead. Yeah, and unlike, you know, flood events that may happen inland where you design for a 100-year storm or, you know, our 100-year storms are happening more, more and more frequently. So we need to build beyond that, and this provision allows uh, the court to do that. Uh, section 8103, Shoreline and Riverbank Protection. Um, this section amends Section uh, 212 of the Water, Res Water, Water Resources Development Act of 1999. Uh, to allow the Corps to carry out projects for the protection and restoration of coastal shorelines and riverbanks um, and authorizes the Secretary to cover the first 200,000 of these costs to study these projects. That's, that's, the first 200,000 is called the reconnaissance phase, and that's something that the Corps undertakes at, at full federal cost, and they, uh, they determine, if, well, if there's a federal interest. Previously, there was $100,000 
figure attached to that, so now it's 200,000. Uh, when the court went to three by three by three, they eliminated the reconnaissance phase. It's too bad. We'll get into that some other time. But the fact of the matter is that people need to understand, number one, you can get uh, the first $200,000 is free. That is, the federal government will determine the federal interest and the scope of the study. And the managers went on to say that, uh, the managers of the bill, that is, that the intent of this section is to expand its coverage beyond riverbanks to shoreline protection and restoration and to for the Corps to give priority consideration to the protection and restoration of our shorelines from erosion and or other damaging impacts of extreme weather events, whether the measures used are for structural or non-structural purposes. So it's an expansion of not only the 100,000 to 200,000, but to make sure that uh, you can now be able to do this for both structural, non-structural, which means in non-structural sense could be raising homes, could be uh, elevating and uh, other kinds of ways that are considered non-structural. And it really took what was almost a inland provision and applied it to coastal shorelines. So that's right. yeah. It takes an old provision and now makes sure that it covers uh, the coastal provisions as well. Section 8106 has to do with the scope of feasibility studies. So this section directs the Corps at the request of the non-federal interest to formulate project study alternatives that reduce comprehensive flood risk or hurricane storm damage risk from rainfall, subsidence, uh, which is the sinking of land, tidal frequencies, and more that address water supply or water supply conservation. The intent of this one, as the managers describe, is to include what they call drivers of flood risk that do not include uh, just storm events. So you now have, you know, persistent rain coming or sunny day flooding, sunny day tidal events, as they describe it. So, and that's important because you just don't take a look. If you're having, let's say, a Hurricane Ian, you don't just look at the impacts of Hurricane Ian. You look at the overall events that are occurring around that storm event. And that's important. We found that to be very important post-Sandy, so I'm glad they put this into law. Section 8129, Studies for Periodic Nourishment. Uh, this section allows, uh, will increase the maximum additional period uh, for periodic nourishment for a uh, nourishment project from 50, 15 years to 50 additional years. Previously, these studies were designed to extend periodic, periodic nourishment by 15 years, uh, but when they did those analyses, they really didn't yeah. find enough benefits. Yeah, this so. was the section 1037 uh, that was taking projects that were reaching their 50-year period for fiscal federal fiscal involvement. And uh, Congress, in its infinite wisdom, put in section 1037 and said, you can extend these for 15 years. Well, your economic studies really can't cover just 15 years, one five. They have to cover some decent period, which is a 50, five zero period. So now they put that into law and said basically any of those Section 1037 studies will cover 50 years. And you're you're really going back and just doing a, a completely new feasibility it study. There's no difference. Exactly. There is no difference at all, uh, except that if you do them under Section 1037, they are not considered new starts. Which is a big hurdle. Big so. hurdle. Oddly enough, only two studies were done under Section 1037, one which was finished in North Carolina 
and came out positively, and the other in Georgia, which did not come out positively. So I don't know exactly what the real impact is going to be, because a lot of the studies that were done in Florida and their infinite wisdom down in the Jacksonville district, they decided to do entirely new feasibility studies. And buried in that provision is also uh, a section that extends the eligibility for nourishment for the Tybee Island Shore Protection Project, which happens to be a client of ours, uh, for an additional 16 years. Right. Section 8130, Beneficial Use of Dredge Material. Uh, this section directs the Secretary to develop a strategic plan for fully implementing the federal authority for maximizing the beneficial use of dredge material. We talk about this a lot, but it really... It, this needs to be solidified because the core almost always has an out. It has to be made part of the fabric of the oper of operations of the Corps of Engineers in dealing with federal channels. If you are looking for a way to dispose of that material, the last thing you ought to think about is dumping it offshore. When I'm talking about offshore, we're talking about anything from a mile to three miles off because it's lost, or most of it gets lost. You are wasting a natural resource that is not, it's not limitless. You, we're losing sand, and we're losing sand to, in part, due to our own practice of how we dispose of sand when we're dredging it out of federal channels. So, Simply put, there's places that sand can be used, and in fact, in many cases, the core is running out of places to put its own sediment. Yeah, so. they look for disposal areas, and so you have a lot of places. If you talk to local ports, they are filled up in their disposal zones. And so this allows, at least encourages, I don't, I, I'd like to say it provides a solution, but there's got to be a change in the thinking, as you said, really, of the core. Section 8138, Emergency Stream Bank and Shoreline Protection, uh, amends Section 14, which I believe is a CAP program. Uh, to increase the federal share of a project to $10 million, um, and allows funds to be used for the protection of lighthouses. So this is this was thrown in there, clearly, I think, for there's a lighthouse somewhere that needs protecting, uh, yeah, whether it's well, actually, a, they, they historical value. Was, and, it probably was what they call a soft earmark that somebody had a lighthouse they want to be protected. But there are lighthouses that people are trying to protect. And to know that the Section 14 Continuing Authorities Program is there means that there is a, a, a quicker method of doing it than trying to do a total feasibility study. Right, right. Uh, Section 8142 has to do with uh, Great Lake levels and... Um, been a real problem in the Great Lakes because lake levels there are not governed by normal things that normal of us talk about on the coast. They are dealt, they're dealt with in ways that have been significantly harmful to uh, folks who are living on certainly the U.S. portion of the coast, and I think equally so on the Canadian side of the Great Lakes coast. So now they're going to be able to develop model suites for predicting those levels so that people can understand when those levels are going to go up and go down, both of which cause problems. Uh, section 8149. Here we get a chance for non-federal interests to use funds provided by other federal agencies. There are some instances where other federal agencies can be able to contribute 
to their money to a core project. This is a uh, using non-federal funds or, in essence, using federal funds to participate in the non-federal aspects of projects. Uh, that has happened certainly in the Great Lakes area, where the NOAA has used some of its funds to contribute. And I think there are other instances which the uh, other agencies from NOAA to EPA, maybe there's another agency I'm not thinking of, but those primarily which can be used uh, to match uh, the core funds. And that'll significantly help uh, in uh, providing non-federal funds because there'll be federal funds that will be able to count it as non-federal funds. If that makes any sense at all, some people well, will understand Well, here's that. an example. Invi the Corps Environmental Infrastructure Program, right, which mm -hmm. is really, in many ways, stormwater infrastructure, which can have a huge impact on benefiting the environment. EPA could provide the non-federal share yep. through some program or some grant or some other program that is, in essence, the non-federal match, and the Corps will take up its normal federal cost share. Yeah, and you would be able to use some FEMA funds in their uh, hazard mitigation a program also could be used that way. Uh, section 8155, continuation of construction. This section provides uh, the secretary with the temporary authority to continue with the construction of certain projects. Uh, this section also directs the secretary to provide the Committee on Transportation uh, and Infrastructure of the House and the Committee on Environment and Public Works of the Senate with a written notification of projects requiring potential modification by Congress. Okay. This sort of nonsensical thing is very important. Uh, this deals with the Section 902B limits. When Congress authorizes a project, let's, and a beach project is authorized for 50 years of continual construction. So in year 1950, project gets authorized through year 2000. Using a standard discount rate and oh, all these all sorts of, of things. economic things that give it a total 50-year cost. Right. But what's happened, and it's really brought it home now because of inflation, supply disruptions, all of those things that are going on. We're busting through those authorization caps left and right. They're coming constantly. I mean, it's not just beach nourishment. It's, it's everything. Of course, yeah, it would apply. But with the beach nourishment project, with continual construction over 50 years, you have people in 1950 or 60 or 70 who are predicting 50 years out and had no idea that dredge costs were going to go through the roof. So this allows projects right now that are busting through not to be stopped and have to go through studies to increase their limits. It allows the Corps to continue to, uh, you know, re-nourish those projects, even though they're busting through their limits. And it does one more thing that's important. It says to... Uh, the core, you have to report immediately to Congress if you can see that projects are going to be busting through their uh, 902B limits. So we, the Congress, can figure out what to do about that. Section 8156, Federal Interest Determination. Uh, this section uh, expands the authority of the Secretary uh, at federal expense to determine the federal interest in carrying out a study uh, and project that it may propose. Yeah, bottom line here, once again, we're dealing with uh, an, an issue where when you're trying to determine the federal interest, once again, this is repeating the 
in the $200,000 recon phase. It expands the old recon phase, as we said before, and it makes sure that the studies uh, can increase a project's total authorized costs. So if you are, in essence, taking uh, a 905, a, a 902B limit, and you're doing a study that is going to increase that uh, cost, you can have a recon phase of that to determine whether there's still a federal interest. So you take a project that was, again, busted through its uh, 902B limits, it isn't necessarily or ipso facto going to have a federal interest just because it's been around for 50 years and it's busted through its cost, or even 40 years or 30 years and it's busted through its cost. To determine it's whether it's going to have a federal interest, you at least get $200,000 on that GRR that is going to be required to determine whether it's going to have a federal interest. And uh, you can get $200,000 free just to determine if there's going to be a federal interest. Section 8162 is a sense of Congress relating to post-disaster repairs. And this goes back to one of the provisions we uh, we mentioned earlier about rebuilding beyond the design level of protection. But um, it's an indication from Congress that the Corps should, uh, when permitting and funding post-disaster repairs, repair assets to the project design levels or above the project design levels if the design is outdated. I think it's just a fantastic provision that uh, gets to the heart of repairing to, that we've talked about before, the repairing to the original design. And it now reiterates here that it can repair to a higher level design if the original design is outdated. Moving into a new section here of WORDO, which is the, the studies and reports. Um, section 8201 is the authorization of proposed feasibility studies. Uh, there are 94 new feasibility studies and 12 modification studies uh, to existing water resource development projects, uh, in, including one new beach nourishment project study in Waikiki, um, and then 93 other <laughs> feasibility studies. I know that that one's focused on beach nourishment because that's what we focus on. Um, was it, Howard, is there anything you want to add on that one? Not at all. I think it's uh, this is an indication that the course program with 94 new studies going on. We don't know how many of those are going to be on the coast. Well, we do if we went through them, but the fact is that the program, the, the need for water resources is still strong in this country. There, a number of years ago, the National Academy of Sciences did a report said the Corps was moving into a total maintenance phase. The fact is that it's not moving into a total maintenance phase. Our water resource needs for new water resource projects are still great. And we've got 94 studies going on, significant number of those that are coastal, and they're showing that, uh, for example, coastal on the West Coast. We know that there are some new projects going to be constructed there, but there's some new projects that need to be studied out there also. So there on the Great Lakes, where there were no projects going on with uh, coastal projects, there are going to be new ones going on. And with sea level rise and climate change, there's more water than ever. So I know that sounds basic, but they're just simply the need to greater between flooding and, and uh, coastal storms. Uh, there's a lot of need out there. I think that's all. Uh, 8401. There's one more. 401 is all the new projects that uh, uh, the 25 new water resource projects that are authorized for new construction. So again, uh, 
The issue here is going to be how many are going to get funded and what's the Corps of Engineers budget going to be. But that segues into our new uh, area of talking about what is the Corps being appropriated. The Corps has had significant levels of appropriations uh, just in this past couple of months. Record level this year. So I'm not going to name each project here, but if you look at between the from the president's budget, which requested, let's call it 20 million, to the total congressional appropriations of 151, almost 152 million, and then additional infrastructure work plan funding, another remember the uh, infrastructure bill passed in FY23 contained almost 117 million. We have just in in that alone, we we've got over 100 and you know 70 million. Almost $270 million between those two bills right. in coastal funding. Correct. I was about to drop $100 million out of there by accident. But that's, that's significant, significant in terms of the needs that are going on. And then we add to that the fact that there was over, uh, what, $263 million in disaster funding for coastal project disaster funds that was on the floor. And it was passed by Congress last year, at the end of last year. Mm -hmm. So we got a load of money that's there that is trying to deal with uh, coastal water resource needs. And uh, it's something that the Corps has never seen before. It's something that the coast has never seen before. And I would predict that in many ways, other than the infrastructure bill, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which... I think was a once-in-a-generation bill. But I, I think when you look at the disasters that are going on uh, on the coast, and I'm, I'm not denigrating at all uh, what went on in the uh, interior with flooding uh, that also got significant funding. But the fact of the matter is there's going to be a lot of need for implementation of the, this money, and the Corps is going to be overwhelmed personnel-wise we're trying to implement this. We're also going to be looking at work plans coming up because in addition, in, included in the money that the Corps, uh, that Congress appropriated for the Corps is a significant amount of money that the Corps is not project specific. The Corps has to come up with a work plan to implement that money. So yes, earmarks provided a lot but then there's unearmarked money, which the Corps has to come up with. $4 million in studies, $36.57 million for construction. We don't know where that's coming up yet. We'll be finding out by February. Same for the uh, disaster appropriations, which were not earmarked. Just in coastal, and this is going across various core districts, but just in coastal funding, we've got you know 500 and some million in coastal funding. And you talked about implementing it and get all that funds out. I think one thing that our listeners also need to know is that there's a bit of an exodus from the core right now in terms of planning, uh, planning personnel. And I mean, we're talking chief level. And yeah. there is a vacuum. And yeah. from our perspective, it's, you know, we trust in the core, but this is potentially dangerous. Extremely significant for users out there. Users me. The, the customers of the Corps, the, the folks who... The non-federal sponsors. The non-federal sponsors. These are the folks, and we're looking at in the planning, you have to... 
the, the people there who have 25 to 40 years of experience that we have been working with who are retired as of the end of last year. Now, I know that there are people who are going to be taking their place, but all of the institutional knowledge that is buried in those retired people who are not buried, I might add, and who are going to be uh, hopefully providing some uh, supplemental assistance to their uh, either formally or informally to the people who are taking their place. But the fact of the matter is we are losing a whole generation of people, uh, both on the East Coast and the West Coast, uh, who are leaving. And, and, and there's no way to, that you can legislate that away or appropriate that away. It is something where it's going to be a scramble over the next few years uh, for people to who are filling their places to try to uh, come up and fill those shoes with uh, some level of the same level of knowledge. So much of that funding uh, will be available in work plans in the next 60, about roughly 60 days? Yeah. Um, or so less. You know, we'll, we'll definitely keep you updated when we have a complete list of where that where those uh, those monies are going. We're starting out the year, uh, you know, as we're recording, we don't have uh, a speaker of the House. Uh, House is not organized, so the committees are not organized. So you have no members of Congress while <laughs> you have no speaker. So you could say the whole House is not organized. Uh, the Senate is organized. It's got its committees, committee chairs. Things have changed, uh, but the Democrats are still in control there so that there's a continuity. Uh, it is embarrassing, uh, the situation we're in. From a bipartisan point of view, you can say it's embarrassing. Uh, but we'll keep you up to date on the implications of that. But I think the main news uh, will, over the next uh, 60 days, will be the core work plan that implements the disaster supplemental, that implements the additional funding that was not designated by Congress in the regular appropriations bill. Who gets that? And then uh, how is it going to be used? And uh, then what does it not cover? <laughs> because there are needs that are not being met. And the provisions of WERDA and their implementation guidance, which will be coming out in the next 60 days. That's, what I, that's one of the things I wanted to bring up as well is, you know, we've given some of these broad definitions, right, of these provisions and say, oh, well, what does that really mean? Well, you have to wait for the implementation guidance to come out from the core because that's, you know, you might have a really good intention, a really good feeling about the way that something reads, and that is just not the way it's interpreted by headquarters. So, uh, yeah, if we had trouble enough understanding and explaining to you what some of the provisions meant, then you deal with the core headquarters legal counsel, and they have to deal with the Office of Management and Budget and the pencil pushers and, pardon me for saying it, narrow-thinking people over there because they try specifically to narrow-think what core the, the Congress wants them to think broadly. And it is something where there's an executive branch at work over at the Office of Management and Budget. They're a White House office, and they have traditionally tried to narrow-think and narrow focus what the Corps is doing, and that has been a detriment to water resources, both coastal and inland. We'll keep Bill. We'll be sure to keep you guys updated as those things come out, and we'll be back in February. Looking forward to it. Bye bye.